Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Foria Health Podcast. For any new listeners out there, my name is Matt Sapala and I am your host. I started this platform to help educate and empower as many people as I possibly can and to incorporate more healthful, sustainable habits into their life. I'm a qualified personal trainer and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. My coaching philosophy is to promote sustainability through all pillars of our life. Therefore, you won't see me promoting quick fixes. I focus more on longevity and creating sustainability through all of our actions, as I mentioned earlier. I want to be the coach that is not your quick fix, but your only fix. Ladies and gents, I have an absolute treat for you this week on the podcast. A man with incredible willpower and a coaching philosophy to back up his main message. This week on the show is none other than Sean Bell. Sean was just your everyday kid playing footy in the suburbs of Melbourne when the passing of a close friend inspired him to tackle something greater. Sean set out to run 50 marathons in as many days. Yep, you heard correctly. He ran 2,110 kilometers in 50 days in honor of his late mate. He raised some much needed funds for the Make-A-Wish Foundation to help the wishes of young kids come true. Sean takes us through the preparation both physically and mentally for this monster event as well as tapping into his mindset throughout the 50 days. What I found so inspiring was Sean's willingness to push forward throughout the toughest of times. I remember chatting to Sean and he said to me, on day 49 the last thing I wanted to do was go and run a marathon but my why was so strong that it got me over the line and we chat about how to find your why at length during today's episode. Running is such a liberating activity that I've recently sort of grasped fully about the the specifics of how important programming is to ensure that you're progressively overloading safely and minimizing your chance of injury. Sean, alongside some partners, have teamed up to create a resource for you guys to follow and help you on your journey to running a marathon. The program is called First 42K, which is a 13-week comprehensive program that helps you reach your goal in a holistic and realistic time frame. The program consists of structured running sessions designed by running coaches, as well as resistance sessions to complement the running, yoga, meditation, and nutrition templates for you to follow as well. I was lucky enough to be asked by Sean to test out the program in the trial phase and absolutely loved it. As a personal trainer, planning sessions all the time, it was fantastic to have a program planned for me which took the thinking element out of my training. Guys, I will have the link for where you can find out some more information in the show notes or you can head over to Sean's Instagram for some more information. Slightly longer intro this this week, friends. I hope that you get a ton out of this podcast with Sean and I'll see you on the other side. Sean Bell, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so pumped to have you on the show, mate. Your journey is extremely captivating and I can't wait to share that with the Euphoria Health community. We're introduced by a mutual friend, Damien Bajaya, who my listeners would have heard his story 
a few months ago by the time this podcast gets released an incredible journey that he went running from Craigieburn to Yarrawonga and I understand you've got a very very similar journey 50 marathons in 50 days which is crazy to even comprehend I can't wait to get into that later on in the show man yeah no it's uh it was it was an awesome journey so be happy to, to share it with you Different parts of the journey will resonate with different people along the way. Now, you're well known for your endurance running capabilities, obviously running 50 marathons in 50 days. I'm very, very interested how you got into the world of endurance running and what was life like for Sean Bell growing up? Yeah, so growing up, uh, I was all about football. It was just my favourite thing to do. Similar to Damo, um, just loved having a kick with my teammates and and really that was me in a nutshell. I'd be walking around at lunchtime at school with a footy in my hand. I'd only talk about footy and that was me. So I played footy uh, for the Vermont Eagles in the Eastern Footy League from when I was six until I was 19 years old and was lucky enough to win the granny in 2017, which happened to be my last game. So I was... Um, very fortunate in being a premiership captain. We went undefeated that whole year and I sort of felt like I'd really gotten what I wanted to out of football and the Melbourne Marathon was coming up. So I wanted to give that a crack. And and that's sort of um, without realising that, as I said, that just became my last game of footy and I fell in love with marathon running from there. No better way to end your career with a grand final win, mate. Yeah, it was pretty special. And uh, yeah, as I said, to be undefeated as well was um, was something that I'll, I'll cherish forever. And a lot of my mates always uh, say to me, come on, when are you going to give this running stuff up? Like, come back and have a kick. And I always laugh and say, yeah, yeah, when we're about 40 and you guys have big ups and I'm the only fit bloke running around. <laughs> <laughs> Love that, mate. Have you pondered putting the boots back on? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I do enjoy football. Um, still enjoy having a kick with my friends. But um, no, I really am deeply invested in my running now. And, um, you know, I think... As Damo has a similar journey, when you can connect your running to a much bigger purpose and involve other people, um, do it and bring communities together and make a difference for charity, it becomes so much more than yourself. And I think there's so much risk in playing football. It's so easy to do an ACL and um, things like that. And if I was to do it, just if I was running from by myself or for myself, then potentially I could do the two at the same time. But it's also different training on top of that. So one, I just don't feel like it's the right thing to do when you have other charities involved and other, other people and friends heavily invested in what you're doing um, to then play footy at the same time. And also it's just, you know, it wouldn't be the right way to prepare for some of these uh, epic adventures that I put myself through. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And you, in that little sentence there, you touched on a word that I'm really passionate about, and that's community and everything that I'm doing with Euphoria Health and Active Living and and through Instagram and everything that I'm preaching is community and how much of an impact community and connection can play on someone's life. I'm interested, what was the community like while you were playing football and how is that replicated into a solo sport like running? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Like I've still got, you know, some of my best mates uh, were from football. So I think the community of football just being with teammates all the time. And then it's transferred through running um, because I think so many people view running as an individual sport, but it doesn't have to be that way. And, and I think the best example I can give 
to show that is is my first seven marathon. I went into it as an individual with no one else around, but there was a point about 38 k's in at the tan track where you're going up this slow hill near the shrine and uh, I was cramping up. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have any of the energy gels or salts or anything like that. And, and this runner just put his hand on my back and starts pushing me up the hill. And next minute he uh, walked over, there was this mom and her children on the side and he gave, they gave me a Zuka Dupa and I could just feel that community already. So I always talk about that story because had I not achieved that first ever marathon, none of this would have ever happened. And uh, it just shows, you know, that runner wasn't just looking out for himself to get his own personal best in a marathon. He was looking after the runners around him. Wow, mate, that gives me goosebumps because the community aspect, especially within like sport, I, I played sport growing up as well. I still do play sport and that community aspect is what keeps people coming back together. And if you translate that back into a fitness environment, what I'm doing at the moment, group fitness classes are thriving, not because people necessarily enjoy working out so much. It's just a break for them to get away from their everyday life and go have an aspect of communication, community and belonging. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, so many people are getting into running now, which is a real positive that's come out of the lockdown. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it's obviously been a really hard year for everyone. The lockdown and coronavirus has affected everyone. So I think that's a really big positive that people can come together and run in clubs and communities, especially when all that gets back and going again. Um, and yeah, I, I've loved seeing so many people get more active. Absolutely, mate. It's really, really good to see people moving their body a lot more during this testing time. Now, Sean, you mentioned that you went into the marathon with really no prior training or, you know, you didn't have the gel. So it seems like that it was almost like a whirlwind sort of experience. When did running start for you, the endurance aspect? Like, obviously, you were quite fit playing playing footy and sport growing up. But when did you sort of channel all that energy into just running itself? Yeah. So yeah, I attempted that marathon just three weeks after our grand final. And, you know, I think it would be unfair to say that I had no base because football, obviously you have, you still have a really good base of fitness. Um, But it was surprising to be able to achieve that goal. And, and once I was able to do that, I just, as I said, fell in love with the challenge. And from then on, I knew that it was going to be my focus going forward and so it was really after that Melbourne Marathon, October 2017, that I just said, no, this is what I want to do. And I got really clear on that. So then I marked in my calendar, um, May 2018, the Great Ocean Road 60K Ultra Marathon. So that became my next event. And that was the, the next run that I did, really. So just training for that and achieved my first Ultra Marathon in May 2018. And uh, at the same time, I'd come up with this extraordinary goal of running around Australia in 2021, which I know to, to a lot of people might just sound absolutely insane um, to go from one marathon and one ultra marathon to that, thinking I could do that three years later. Um, and we'll get into that and how that came about. But really that was from yeah, at the end of 2017, I just said, no, this is what I want to do and focus purely on running, achieve that ultra marathon. And then it was a six month build in the lead up to the 50 marathons in 50 days. Well, mate, three weeks after your grand final, you know, you've just had one of the potentially the most epic moment in your your sporting career. Now you're going to face a a big challenge like a marathon. What sparked your interest or what was the catalyst for you taking action on a marathon so fast? Um, It's a a great question. I think 
despite our real success through footy in that 2017 season, it was a weird one. I um, clearly we were, we were undefeated and I was lucky enough to be the captain. So on the outside, like people were saying to me, what a year, but deeply, I felt like there was some deep down. I felt like there was something else that I wanted to do. And while I was still enjoying my footy, it wasn't like previous years. So I also knew that if I'm not loving the football, like previous years, when we weren't going undefeated, we weren't, a premiership team, um, then, you know, maybe it's time to move on because if I've just achieved this success and I'm not loving it as much as I used to, then maybe there's something else here. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, I think, um, to best answer that one as well. I always laugh with my teammates because I was the player that would always get run down holding the ball. Um, I'm not, <laughs> not the quickest guy going around, but um, I have always had some endurance and quite a good base and I'd get to the end of football games sometimes and be frustrated because I felt like I'd run as hard as I could during the game but at the end of the game I felt like I could play again so I think naturally I've had um, a level of fitness and um, I just thought you know my love for football was slowly um, slowly drifting away and so why don't I try something use my endurance and, and try the Melbourne Marathon. Yeah, and I know we're going to get into the process of, of finding out what really makes your heart sing a little bit later on in the podcast. This amazing, inspiring desire to help others and, and bring community together and help a bigger cause than than just yourself. It, it was amazing. I'd love for you to share that experience with the listeners if you if you feel comfortable, Shawnee. Um, yeah, for me, it was uh, it was a very tough time. And in 2016, um, I started to feel really lost. So he passed away in July 2016. And um, from then, yeah, as I said, I, I just felt lost. I felt confused, sad, angry. And, and ultimately, I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know um, what life meant after that like it was just such a hard thing to understand because my friend was healthy and he was 18 he went to bed and he passed away in his sleep so to this day they'll ne- they don't know and they'll never know why he passed away it's just a, a real tragedy and um i never knew that something like that was possible so it it really did change my life and it changed how i look at life and how i live my life every day and also the message that i share with the world and it it ultimately his passing inspired me to honor him and make a real difference and bring people together in his honor and i think the biggest thing that i learned when he passed away was that we must chase our dreams now because we're not promised tomorrow and so that's my message with the world and i'm really proud now to be speaking to schools and some corporate businesses and sharing that message to inspire them to do what's most meaningful um, to them. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's really unfortunate and sad that it had to come through losing one of my friends and teammates. But I think, you know, when tragedies like this do happen, if we can find any positive that can help us find purpose or, or meaning out of what's the tragedy that's happened, then then that's the only way we can push forward. And so uh, I feel very grateful through what I've been able to accomplish in my teammates' honour and and bring a community together uh, in his honour as well. Yeah, definitely, Sean. I could not agree with you more there, mate. And 
understanding what really makes your heart sing and where your passions are is so crucial for developing and cultivating happiness through your life. We often hear people go through life in this vicious circle, you know, doing that job that they don't really enjoy just to make ends meet, which I know this can be external circumstances and things like that, but we often find ourselves in this circle doing things that we don't really enjoy. And and like you said, life can just be taken away from you in that instance. So I love everything that you're doing with helping people understand that you know life is precious and and to really follow what makes your heart sing and follow what you enjoy yeah absolutely no I think um it's a it's a journey that I'm, I'm very excited about and proud to be on and I think it's easy to say um, not so easy for some people as you said due to external factors to chase their dreams now you know I think um that's something that a lot of older people have said to me, well, you know, yes, you're young, you can get up and, and go and run around Australia for eight to nine months and you can run 50 marathons in 50 days and take time off work and all of that, but I can't do that. So how do I chase my dream? And I think it's just understanding that life is precious. We don't all have the same circumstances, but by understanding how precious life is, it changes, you know, what your priorities are. And so maybe the way that you can chase your dream as an older person listening to this who has those external um, those external circumstances that might be preventing them from doing these big adventures like myself is maybe it's just getting up that hour earlier and giving yourself that hour to, to run or go to the gym or do some yoga and, and look after you first. Or maybe it's just putting your phone away for another two hours so you can just spend that time after work with your family. I think um, we so often look to these big adventures because some people are able to do that. But if you're not in the position currently to be able to do that, then find a way to do those things that are most meaningful to you in that time, in that short term as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more there, Sean, as well. And I think as a society, we've almost forgotten that the process of, of building something great is the most important part. You know, we often look to the destination to being the, the main event and obviously working towards such a big event like yourself running around Australia, which is amazing. I can't wait to unpack that later on. But it's very personalised and we, we often want everything right now and disregard the process of getting there. And I think when once we start to really enjoy and unpack the process and start making smaller goals along the way, smaller little wins, that's when the magic happens. And that's when we really develop passions and, and when we really enjoy our life. Yeah, I 100% agree. Amazing, Sean. I, I'd love to unpack that a little bit further later on in the podcast, but I want to get into the nitty gritty about the 50 marathons in 50 days. I was, um, I was saying earlier off air to you that, you know, I've just gotten into endurance running and marathon, a marathon is on my agenda, my to-do list next year. So I'm really excited training towards that, but you've done 50 marathons in, in 50 days, mate. When did this start and, and why did you decide to do something so audacious like that? Yeah, so it started January 4, 2019, and I ran a marathon every day until February 22nd. Um, so it was a, a very special journey. The reason that I came up with a goal like that is because, as I said, it was at the end of 2017 that I came up with this goal to run around Australia in 2021, which surprised many people they're thinking you know you're 19 years old you've just run your first marathon like what are you talking about you're going to run 14,000 kilometers but as I said I really had that really strong reason why in wanting to honor my teammate and also make a difference for charities so um, I 
said that I would raise money and awareness for the Compassionate Friends Charity who help grieving families. And basically they provide support to parents and siblings who've lost a loved one and help them rebuild their lives without their lost loved ones. So I was really passionate in supporting that cause because I went to my teammates' family and, and said, I want to help and I want to honour your son and I want to hear from you how we can best make a difference. So that was the path that uh, I went down and um, yeah, I'm proudly we raised $30,000 for them through the 50 marathons in 50 days, but more so just a lot of awareness, which meant that a lot of people who had unfortunately lost a child or a sibling or maybe a grandchild now knew who the compassionate friends are and they could go and get that support as well. So yeah, it's, it was a, a very special journey that I uh, started day one in Torquay and then throughout the 50 days, I was running all over the place, um, mostly out my way in the eastern suburbs, so around Vermont, Nunawading, Box Hill, places like that. But I would think I was in Torquay, Geelong, Rosebud, um, around the tan track, so a bit of everywhere. Unreal, mate. And your why is so strong. And I think that's what got you through some of the most adverse times. I'm interested to see... In terms of your training, did you go into this with, with only three weeks of, of preparation? Talk to us a little bit about how you prepared yourself both physically and mentally to tackle such a big challenge. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> for this one, yeah, it was, it was a good six-month build or even longer, really. Um, it was May 2018 that I did that 60K ultra marathon. And then throughout 2018, I was in my last year of university and so that, I went to ACU and that's about a half marathon distance, 21 Ks from my house. And so probably three times a week I would run to uni. My mate would um, bring my bag with my food and laptop and everything. I'd drop it over to his the night before and I'd just run to uni, have a quick shower and stretch and go to class. And um, that was a way that I would train while doing everything else. And um, then I also started to wonder though, you know, is this, is this the right way to prepare? Because ultimately 50 marathons in 50 days was such a huge goal. I needed to find someone who could help me, someone who could be a mentor or a coach and, and guide me with a plan. So uh, that's something that I share now with um, my audiences, whether it be school kids or corporate audiences is, you know, while we want to chase our dreams, we, we have this, reason why which I had this as I said this really strong reason why but I also needed to know if I was on the right track so that's where we need to reach out to a mentor someone that has achieved the goal that we want or someone that's achieved something very similar and then they can help us and they can guide us in in the right way so I think it comes down to if you want something bad enough then you'll find a way and so you have that in your heart and you know all your reasons why so don't be afraid to put yourself out there and I remember it was about five months out from starting the 50 marathons and I reached out to a girl called Samantha Gash who is an amazing athlete she ran 77 marathons across India um, so raising money for world vision and, and I'd followed her journey and heard her on a number of podcasts and so I thought I'm just going to reach out to this girl on social media and see if she could help me and and just two weeks later we were sitting in this little cafe in Croydon and all of a sudden she was giving me as much advice as she could and she told me that the way that I was training was the exact wrong way <laughs> she she said that I uh, was you know training at a too high intensity on most of the days and running 21 k's nearly every day wasn't doing my body any 
any form of or giving my body any form of respect that it needed leading into a challenge like that so I had to change my approach and understand I needed to incorporate some some rest days and some more weight training and things like that and and then ultimately she was the one that referred me to my coach Jace from VMB Athletic who coaches Damo as well and he put this big plan together with 16 weeks out and I just followed it to a T and was able to achieve the goal. It's a really great reflection on where we are as as individuals. We can't do everything ourselves. So having that objective point of view to, you know, guide you on the right path and really help you achieve success is is crucial, I think, for everybody's development. I'm really big on getting that objective point of view, whether that's a psychologist, a counsellor, a life coach, where they can help you really understand what your true values are beyond the emotional element that we often get when we're talking to people so close to us. Yeah, for sure. I think it's so important that we can understand that we, we just reach out to people that have achieved similar or, or maybe the exact same thing that we want, because we have to remember that they were helped in, in their journey to achieve that goal as well. And so most of the time, if, if they understand that you're genuine, you want to do it for the right reasons, they'll help you. And that's the biggest thing I've found, not just from Samantha, but some other mentors and coaches, if they understand your reasons behind it and and you're brave enough to reach out then they'll be willing to help you because as I said they've been helped themselves. Absolutely Sean and I'm interested what words of wisdom beyond the physical did Samantha give you in tackling such a a big challenge like that? Uh, That's a great question I still remember she said to me at that first time I met her at the cafe she said, um, 90% is mental and 10% is in your head. So that quote stuck with me. And it's something that I thought about during every marathon. And, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a great message because I think, you know, well, obviously we have to prepare for events like this physically, but if our mind's not there, we're not going to be able to achieve the goal. So I was always every day coming back to my reasons why. I, I wrote a list of about 10 reasons why I must run these 50 marathons in 50 days. So it was never a should, it was always a must, I must do this. So uh, I wrote down that list and I would look at the, the list and it was things like number one, to honor my teammate, number two, to make a difference for the charity, number three, to bring people together in his honor and all the way down to number 10. So reading that every single morning just put me in the mental state that I needed to be. And because naturally, if, if you can imagine you've run 40 marathons in 40 days, which is well, from Melbourne to Brisbane, the equivalent of that, 1,688 kilometres. So the last thing you want to do on day 41 is, is run another marathon. And so I think if you can have something that reminds you of your why, then you're just going to get on with it. You're going to put on your shoes. You're going to get out the door and go and do what you, what you need to do. Absolutely huge, that word there, mate, the why. It's, it's incredible how much power is beyond the, the physical and when you really tap into the mental aspect and you ask the questions why, it's amazing how it pulls you through. Doing such a, a big challenge like that obviously takes a toll on your body. What were you doing for recovery each night after you've run a marathon? You know, they usually say, quote me if I'm wrong here, Shawnee, that you, you'll need a, a month or two off from running after you've done a single marathon. Is that, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think it depends on the individual, but for a lot of people, yes. Um, I think for me to explain this to other people, though, I was never running as hard as I could because naturally how most people run their marathon, they're running at a pace that they're pushing themselves to so that personal best. And I've definitely had times where I've done that as well, but 
that was not the right time for that during the 50 days because I wouldn't be able to back it up um, in the way that I wanted to. There's risk that I wouldn't be able to. So I went at a, at a cruisy pace. Uh, I think I was running about six minutes per kilometre and averaging four hours 30 for the marathons or, or so. So it was, um, it was a pace that allowed me to sustain it. And yes, it was still testing on the body for sure it's still the same distance um, but I think that slower pace had less of an impact on my muscles and joints I was able to recover better and and also I was fortunate that um, I didn't work for those 50 days I understood how important this was to me and I thought you know this is something that will be worth worth that sacrifice of not earning some money for a period of time because I believe in this and I know that if I give myself that time to recover in between, I'll be able to achieve it. So, um, yeah, I only worked a couple of hours, a couple of personal training. Um, basically, I just was fell in love with the community that were coming out to run with me every day. So on day 34, I thought, I feel really good. Let's, let's get people together and I'll run a boot camp session at the footy club. So we had about... 30 people and um, it was good fun. But after that, I was like, nah, I, I just want to stay focused and, and focus on my recovery. So doing a number of things such as um, I've got a pool. I'm fortunate to have a pool at home. So just cold water therapy in the pool uh, every day after the marathon, plenty of stretching, um, foam rolling, stuff like that as well. Yeah, definitely. And recovery is so, so crucial in any element of, of physical activity, especially when you're doing such a big challenge like that. So it takes real discipline to go through those processes because if your recovery is not right, then to be able to back it up the next day makes it even more challenging on top of the everyday pressures that we do get. Yeah, for sure. I think recovery is often overlooked by runners, but I think if you incorporate it properly and everyone's got their own form of recovery, some people it might be um, a Epsom salts bath or a magnesium, something like that, and just look after themselves in that way. Other people, it's, if they're able to, go and get a massage. So there's a number of recovery techniques, but I think the biggest thing that I found was just sleep. <laughs> just make sure that you're eating plenty and eating the right stuff and, and sleeping plenty because your body just needed time to be horizontal and, and to recover. So, um, yeah, that was, that was something that I was doing plenty of. Yeah, crazy, mate. How many Ks in total was 50 marathons in 50 days? It's uh, 2,110 kilometres, which is about from Melbourne to just short of Alice Springs. There's a lot of solo time that it's just you and your thoughts. What main lessons did you learn about yourself along the way? Because obviously you you constantly, when you go out for a run, it's just you and your mind really. So you're constantly thinking and what lessons did you learn through that process about yourself? Yeah, well, I think probably the biggest thing that I did learn was that our, our minds and our bodies are so much more capable than we realise. And, you know, I obviously, as I said, followed Samantha and her journey and people like the Iron Cowboy, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with his journey. Um, but these people that I looked up to on podcasts and listened to them and, and for me it was perspective, while 50 marathons in 50 days is a huge huge challenge um you know the iron cowboy the reason he's called that he, he did 50 ironmans in 50 days in all 50 states of america so i was thinking in, in a way that helped me break down this this big goal was i would often be running and just you know in my own thoughts not really listening to music or anything like that but 
remembering my reason why, thinking about my teammate and the difference it was making for others, but then also thinking that, you know, stay strong here, Sean. This is, you're only running. Like, yes, yes, it's tough. Yes, it's 42 kilometers, but you're not jumping on a bike for 180 Ks and you're not swimming 3.8 Ks as well. And, and another guy did that. So I was grateful that he'd, he'd, he'd achieved that goal because I think that really helped me and understanding that, um, yeah, our bodies can achieve these huge goals if, if we have a strong enough mindset. And I think our mindset is strong when we have that huge why, which we've touched on. Absolutely crazy, mate. Even to compare yourself to other people that have done further in that situation, it shows your true character and how important, how strong your why was in that situation. On that note, Sean, talk to us and paint the picture of the emotions at the end of day 50 when you, you've run your 50th marathon in, in 50 days. Yeah, it was extraordinary. Um, day 50, well, night 50, we had a big fundraising event for the Compassionate Friends charity. So uh, just at the Manhattan Hotel, which is a local pub uh, in our area, and um, I said to people that, because most days I'd started really early. I wanted to start, knock it over, and then I could focus on my recovery. But I said, day 50, let's get as many people as we can together. So I started at 3 p.m. at the footy club where I played with my teammate. And for the first half marathon, I just ran around the oval. That 400-meter oval, I just did laps of the oval so that people could come and run or walk and, and get involved and, and understand what it was all for. So that was pretty special to have a lot of people there on, on day 50 for the first half. But the reason I said that was, you know, I want the second half just to be with my teammates, brother and, and some of my teammates, best mates. So then there was about 10 of us that continued on for the last half. And um, before we all ran into the Manhattan hotel to finish it off. So there was about, uh, I was very blessed to have about 500 people at the Manhattan hotel to, to cheer on and support um, this event. So um, myself and, and my teammates, brother, and, and some of his best friends as I touched on, we all ran in um, together to finish off this journey. So it was a remarkable event. And uh, yeah, I still get goosebumps talking about it. Yeah, man, I'm sitting here with goosebumps as well. That's so magic. You know, one thing that I think surprises a lot of people as well is day 49 is probably the, arguably the day that I think about most because day 49 for me, I said to people because I knew that day 50, as I said, I was going to split it into two halves and run the last half with just those people that were the closest to my teammate. And so I said, day 49, let's, if you want to run a marathon, this is your last opportunity to join me for the full marathon. And I was blessed to have three people, three friends join me for their first ever marathon and they all achieved that goal. So um, that really just made me so happy to be able to share um, such a, a huge such a huge achievement with so many other people and and to make them so happy and to see see I guess the difference that through what I was doing it you know that it made in their lives in inspiring them and, and understanding that they too could achieve such a big goal so to be able to to share that with them was just um yeah so heartwarming and, and a day that I'll never forget and it's something that has inspired me further because now, one of the, the side hustles, one of the projects that I've been working on this year is 
a project called First 42K, which is a, a program, a running program to help people achieve their first ever marathon, which will be launching January 1 next year. So I'm super excited to be doing that alongside my coach, Jace from VMB Athletic, because I said to him that was the most fulfilling part of running 50 marathons. Like there were so many people that came together and that was extraordinary, but the most touching thing to me was through my running to give other people belief that they could achieve their own marathon as well and then watching them achieve it by my side and I said I couldn't have done this without you coach so I want to do something together now where we can give other people access to you and your coaching and they can achieve their first marathon as well so it's a really nice pay it forward thing that's just happened out of our journey and, and I'm really excited to be working with other people and help them achieve their first marathon as well. Yeah, that's magic, Sean. And for you guys at home, I'll have the link directly to that in the show notes. I'll grab that off you at a later date, Shawnee. So how exciting, mate. Yeah, sounds awesome. Mate, maybe you can use it to run your first marathon next year. I'll hook you up. Mate, to be perfectly honest, I was going to mention that off there, but you've brought it up on there. So that's really exciting. And yeah, you will hold me to that. I love that idea. Thanks, mate. Well, I think that's the whole thing. It's accountability. It, it makes such a big difference. And, you know, that's another thing that I always share with people is be brave, not just brave enough to reach out to people who've achieved a goal similar, like I said before, but be brave enough once you have a goal to share it with other people because, and don't just believe it from me, there's a psychology professor, Dr. Gail Matthews, that found that when we write our goal down, we're 42% more likely to achieve it. But when we share it with just one friend, we're 78% more likely to achieve it. So I always think about that. And whatever goal that I have in any area of my life, I share it with the people who are closest to me. And I'm not saying you have to be as public as me and share it on social media that you want to run 50 marathons or around Australia. But it's because I also understand that one, that inspires people to also go after their own goals and dreams. But two, you're more likely to be supported when you put yourself out there as well. And, and I saw that firsthand with the 50 marathons. I had such amazing friends who would always call me and check in on me and make sure that I was doing okay. And some friends that weren't runners would drop over food for me and support me in that way. And the biggest thing was just accountability. I didn't want to let them down as well as myself. So whatever it is that you want to achieve, I think if you can share that with one or two people who are closest to you, it will make a massive difference to you and you'll be much more likely to achieve that goal. Yeah, fantastic bit of advice there, Sean. I'm a big believer in that as well. And you you highlighted just there the community aspect that comes from that individual sport that we spoke about before. You know, you had people that weren't involved in the running space that still wanted to help out and and were dropping food and, and things off for you. It's, it's incredible to show how this one thing can bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. I think whatever it is that people have with their whatever goal people have, it's you're going to inspire other people, as I said, not only to chase their dreams, but also to help you. And, and so put yourself out there and, and I'm sure it will happen with you as well. Definitely, Sean. And, you know, you remind me a lot of, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of this guy, David Goggins before and how inspiring he is. And he went through some adverse things during his whole childhood and to be able to pull out the other side and do the amazing things that he's done. It's just yeah, incredible. And I guess he's not, portraying the message that you have to go out and similar to you that you have to go out and do these crazy challenges it's very individualized and people take bits of your experience and apply it to their everyday life 
Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And firstly, that's a, a, a very nice compliment. I don't think uh, I'm near the level of Goggins, but he's also been, um, I guess, an indirect mentor, someone that I haven't met, but someone that's played a, a huge part in my journey. And if, if any of your listeners aren't, listeners aren't familiar with him, I encourage you to check him out because he's just extraordinary. And as you said, you don't have to take on everything that he says, but there's bits and pieces that are absolutely gold. And, and one of the biggest things that he talks about is you can use those adverse times, much like I've been able to do to, to fuel your fire and help you continue to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. I'd love to pick your brain at this point in time and, and ask you why developing a why is so important. And firstly, how to do that for someone that's never even looked inwards before. Yeah, it's, it's a question I get asked regularly because it's obviously something that I've just become so clear on my why and it can be a hard one to answer for other people. I think one of the biggest things that really helped me, which I haven't shared yet, is is in 2017 when I was feeling quite lost. Uh, in March 2017, mum took me over to America to see life coach Tony Robbins and uh, at his four-day event called Unleash the Power Within, which was extraordinary. And the reason I mentioned that is they did this thing and I remember it was basically like you had to reflect on some of the moments where you were your happiest in your life. And, and I understood that um, while I wasn't a runner at the time, some of the, the times where I'd been my most happiest was when I was helping others and also challenging myself in whatever way that was. So let's say a year down the track, that's how this journey came about that I wanted to run 50 marathons and then run around Australia because I basically connected. I wanted to help others and I also wanted to challenge myself. So that came in the form of running and physical mental endurance challenges, which I, as I said, wasn't um, familiar with at the time. I wasn't a runner, but deep down, that's what I knew. So I think for, to answer that question for people to find their own why, you know, maybe it's fueled through adversity as well. Like maybe it's through losing a loved one, like I had, um, but then also understanding that you want to, what makes you happy and your passion. So, you know, like me wanting to challenge myself and help others, or maybe it's just, as I said, looking back and, um, working out what are you most passionate about? When in your life have you been super happy? And is that something that you could do going forward and, and maybe connect, you know, bigger reasons why to help you uh, along the way with your own journey? Yeah, definitely. I think the why is so important. And Tony Robbins is an absolute guru. You take it a step further. And when you realize what you're most grateful for, and yes, you can be grateful for, you know, the house you live in, you know, the the phone you have. But if you take it a, a step further and really find out what you're most grateful for and those smaller intricacies, like having a coffee on the water near the beach, like walking your dog, little small things like that. I really feel like they can help you along your way in understanding your values and, and obviously taking it a step further than that, knowing your why. Yeah, 100%. I don't really know what else to add to that. I think you hit, <laughs> hit the nail on the head. Love it, mate. Now we've we've developed our why. Let's say people of home have developed their, their why. What's the next step? I think, you know, this is probably one of the most important aspects of of the journey because here you're starting to develop a, a plan and this is where seeking guidance comes into play. What would you encourage people to do next after they've got this burning hot why? Yeah, so I think it's similar to what I said before. Once you really know why you do what you do and, and the impact that you want to have and um, what you want, then ultimately I think 
how comes out from from finding someone who can either mentor you or coach you or if you can't find a mentor and coach maybe it's just someone that can be a role model so like the example we, we mentioned before of David Goggins well he's not a mentor or coach of, of either of us we've never met him he's in America but he's obviously played a big part in both of our lives so I think understanding what it is that you want you've got that why you've got that purpose and then if you can find someone who's done something similar so um, in whatever area it is in your life then they're the one that can guide you and they can actually help you achieve the how they can give you that plan because I think it's it's worth mentioning as well we we never know exactly how it's going to turn out like I had this obviously huge desire to run the 50 marathons in 50 days and then I went and got this help from Samantha Gash but I still didn't know how it was going to turn out yes she led me to Jason B&B Athletic and I had a coach and all of that but I think had I not gone to her and got that advice, then I would have been guessing more. And so I wanted to leave as little to chance as I could and, and find someone who'd, who would have the answers, someone who'd um, achieved that success, because I think that's the biggest thing that Tony Robbins does. Like I know we're not mentioning, not talking about him too much, but I think for people that aren't familiar with him, he's this life coach that basically is understood if someone's been really successful in any area of your life, then let's fast track, go to that person. What are the, what are the things, what are the strategies that they have in their life that's helped them achieve that goal? So he's basically worked that out from finances to physical health and vitality, um, emotions and meaning. So all these different parts of life. And I think that's so true. So if you, whatever it is that you want, once you've got that why, find someone who is, who's achieved that and, and you know maybe if you're a younger person listening to this and for example you want to be a lawyer or I don't know a police officer then find someone who is that and, and just ask them all the steps that they took and and follow their journey and I'm sure it will play out very similar. Yeah great bit of advice there Sean and I guess for people at home that are thinking you know like someone similar like David Goggins that has done something so outrageous but that's their why and it's it's you know quite hard to get in contact with a man like that what are some tips for people in terms of knowing so much about someone without actually physically getting in contact with them yeah I think um, from there it's really breaking down like if you can't meet them then they would share through their book through their their videos and stuff like that the things that they do the habits that they have because I think ultimately our habits define us it's um it's not what we do once in a while, but what we do consistently. And I think, you know, we can get great advice from people like that. There's someone that I hadn't mentioned um, that's also played a part and his name was Stu Middleman, um, played a big part in my journey because he, he ran 4,800 kilometers across America in just, um, what was it, 55 days. So that's 85 Ks a day, a double marathon every day for 55 days. Um, and I remember the reason I, or the first time I heard of him was at that Tony Robbins seminar. So it's crazy how it's all sort of, um, this whole journey's unfolded, but I heard his, his story, I was sitting in the audience, just being, thinking, what the hell, like, how is that possible? This guy's a genetic freak. I was in awe of what he achieved, but I was a footballer at the time and I didn't really think it was possible. 
Um, but I read his book and I learned so much. And, you know, that's what really got me to the level of, of running this 60K ultra marathon. I didn't have a coach at that point. And who knows, maybe I could have achieved this 50 marathons in 50 days without a coach. And I, I really think I might have been able to because my why was so strong. But if you can have a coach, someone who can guide you, then obviously that's the next step you want. But if you, as you said, if you don't have access to it, then just learn as much about that person as you can because they've still got knowledge, expertise, experience that can help guide you to achieve that result. Yeah, great bit of advice there, Sean. And, and it's it seems so obvious when we put it like that, but these people, they share their journey through these platforms such as books and we live in a day and age where everything's so easily accessible we can go on google and type in someone's name and we've got their whole you know figure out their whole life story so immersing yourself in that person is um is another great step i think following on from once we've figured out our how we need to sort of in that process you'll start to develop a plan that is suitable for whatever you're wanting to do and that's almost like a when so that's when goal setting and accountability comes into play what level of accountability do we take in order to, you know, make these goals a, a reality? Well, I think it depends on the individual. I think, as I said, for, for someone like me, I feel really comfortable in being very public with my goals, which surprised a lot of people. I remember day three of my 50 marathons, um, I was on 10 news and I was, which was national and I was sharing how I was 47 to go. And some of my mates were like, geez, mate, that's a big thing to say. Like, you know, it's, um, it's great what you're doing, but you've got a long way to go. And, and I did, and I understood that. But I think just that why was so strong for me that ultimately nothing was going to stop me. And, and uh, I listened briefly to your interview with Damo, and I think there was something that he said that was so true in my journey and how he said what he said on day one, which was, you know, if I can't walk, I'll crawl. And if I can't crawl, then like, I just don't know what's going to happen because I'm going to do this. And and that's honestly how I felt about the 50 marathons. I had that burning desire that nothing was going to stop me. And so, um, yeah, it was just from then on putting in the hard work and understanding that, yes, it's going to be tough, but your why is, is what guides you. So and that was really it for me. And I think, as I said, it depends on the individual. Um, if you're not someone that wants to be so public about your goals, then that's okay. But if you can just share it with one of your closest friends or maybe your family, it will make a big difference. Yeah, definitely a great bit of advice. And I love that quote that Damien said at the beginning of his run. It's, um, it's quite funny, but it, it has such a bigger meaning beyond those 12 or 15 words, whatever he used. And it's, it's amazing how inspiring that can be. And it just goes to show how important and how crucial his why was in that situation how important your why is in any situation so i love it mate yeah awesome no i think it's it's a speech that i've, I've listened to a few times i always laugh at him he's a funny guy damo but um no i think it, it definitely is so true you know he was so clear on it and that's the whole thing i think whatever it is that we want to achieve uh, the biggest thing that i talk about and share with people is is when you have a strong enough why you will find a way but without a strong enough why you'll find an excuse. So every fear that you can possibly think of will, will come to the surface, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the unknown. But if you have a strong enough why, then those fears may still come up, but you're going to push through anyway, because it means so much to you. Love that. Well said, Shawnee. Now you mentioned it earlier in the podcast as well about how it doesn't necessarily have to be a big audacious event, like running 50 marathons in 50 days. It could be something that's so important. And I really think it's 
another point that we should reiterate that it doesn't have to be such a big audacious event. It's very personalized. And yes, it comes to a point where you want to be pushing yourself and you want to be experiencing that challenge, but it's all relevant to your why at the end of the day. And, and, just because someone's running 50 marathons in 50 days or someone's going for the uh, one walk a day for, you know, the next two months, each goal is really individualized and, and not one is better than the other. It's all about understanding your why and adapting that to your lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's understanding as well that we all have our own strengths and, you know, um, the if you haven't seen the Iron Cowboys documentary, anyone, not even just you, Matt, but be your audience, I encourage you to watch it. It's unbelievable. And he shares how his own mum, you know, this is a guy that's running 50 marathons in 50 days plus 50, 180K rides and 53.8K swims while going around 50 states of America. So even his sleep was in a moving caravan. Like it's just nuts. And um, he could achieve that extraordinary goal but his mum I think it was like the last five Ironmans she joined him for the last five k's of his run and he said you know my heart was the same as her heart like don't compare because we're all at different we all have different abilities and different strengths and and ultimately um, yes I put in the hard work and I've had a coach that's guided me but I also believe that you know genetically as well I'm blessed with my running and, and I think a lot of people whatever area, whatever it is in your life, you have a strength. So um, don't compare yourself to others because, you know, that's ultimately um, can be, can be really hard for us. If, you, if you're comparing yourself to other people, it can put you in a, a bad state of mind. And I think that, you know, we hear it all the time, but compare yourself to who you were yesterday and just think every day is an opportunity to grow. And, and if you can live a life like that, then that's pretty special as well. And, and you're going to succeed in whatever is your strength as well. Definitely, Sean summed it up perfectly. And it's funny, that reminds me of a video that David Goggins put on his Instagram. He mentioned that everyone, you know, is on their own different journey. And and just because of his, you know, his journey is, is so extreme doesn't mean that other people need to highlight that that's so extreme or need to go reach for that same level. That's his challenge. And that's what he's possessed to himself. And he knows every day that he's getting up and he's getting the best out of himself. And I really think that's a a really important point to drill home that it's very individualized and the best out of your situation and your circumstances is so important. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the whole thing. Why we just take bits and pieces from this, these people, because yeah, he might be the one that's, uh, you know, the most crazy person in terms of physical uh, achievements in the world but you know he's also I can guarantee it not putting the same time into his family that other people are or you know into his finances or his business or whatever it is so that's because his his why is more about pushing himself physically and inspiring other people and he's got really clear on that but if your why is more about you you understand that you know, you're a real family man or, or woman and, and you love your family and that's what's most important to you, then that's that's perfectly fine and you're going to put that time and energy into that. So I think it's just ultimately our why is, is captivated by our values. So once you are really clear on what your values are, then your why will come out of that. Well said there, Sean. I think that was really beautifully summarised for people at home and, and write some bits and pieces down from what you've learned on that episode because it's a reference that you can go back to at any point in time so thank you so much for sharing that Sean you mentioned it earlier as well running around Australia this is 
crazy. I'm, I'm pumped to listen to how about how you're going about this journey and, and what is your why? Is it different from the 50 marathons and 50 days? Why? Yeah, well, um, in many ways it's similar, but it's also slightly different. And, and that's, you know, something that I also share with people regularly is that while we have this understanding of how we think our goals may play out, we also have to, you know, we need to enjoy the journey, which you mentioned, you know, the journey is, is where we're spending most of the time, not just the destination. So if things aren't working, if things are, are telling you that maybe something's not right, maybe your body's giving you some signs that you're, you're feeling stressed, I think, um, then maybe you can look at that and make a change because, you know, so often we imagine this goal, we have this vision where this is our, where we, we see our goal and it's just a straight line to achieving it when, as you know, it's really zigzags, you go up, forwards, back, all over the place. And, and that's the reality is we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. So we have to be really, um, I guess, aware with, with what's happening and, and these signs that our body are telling us. And if something needs to change, then we can pivot. But if you have that strong enough why, then you won't change the goal altogether. You'll just change how you get there. And so for me, it has changed slightly. Um, it's now running around Australia and no longer raising money and awareness for the Compassionate Friends charity. As I said, I, I feel very grateful to have supported them and, and proud to have supported them. And I feel that, you know, the $30,000 that we raise has made a big difference. And um, I have nothing but love and respect for that charity. But it's at the point now where I've got so clear, crystal clear on what my purpose is. And that is to help other people chase their dreams now because we're not promised tomorrow. That I thought there's no other charity that will mean more to me than Make-A-Wish Australia. So for 2000, and, well, now it's 2022, which I'll get to, but it's called Run for Wishes. And I'm raising money and awareness for Make-A-Wish Australia because for me, I think, you know, so many of us, uh, we're all not promised tomorrow. That's, as I said, my mission that, you know, as I said, with my teammate, he was healthy, 18, went to bed and he passed away in his sleep. So, you know, no one is promised tomorrow, but then there's these sick children who are battling critical illnesses. And I thought they've got this number one wish. I want to help them achieve that. So I thought nothing will give me greater fulfillment than helping other people who are even less likely promised tomorrow achieve what's most meaningful to them. And so Run for Wishes, it's now called. And, and as I said, it's, I've also had to change my approach to 2022 because the coronavirus and the impact that this year's happened, um, you know, I, I really feel that the reason that I do these events is to bring people together, that community that we spoke about earlier. And there's just so much risk and uncertainty with what's going on in the world at the moment with the coronavirus. And I think when I do this event, I want people to be able to run with me and, you know, be a part of it and share their experiences as well. So um, yeah, a few different changes, but deep down still got that strong why I'm still, you know, passionately, I'll, I'll still be thinking about my teammate. I'm sure every day when I'm out there hitting the pavement and, um, but now I've also got that really strong why in helping these sick children as well. Yeah, that's so incredible there, Sean. Thank you so much for sharing that, mate. And, you know, I think another lesson to take out of what you've just said there is, you know, your why constantly changes throughout your your journey. And, you know, I'm a big believer that everything does happen for a reason and you have these experiences in your life and you grow from them and, and the goalposts shift and there's nothing wrong with that. And yes, you know, that there's going to be these things like your values that are going to, you know, be very similar aligned, but the goalposts do shift 
Oh, thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm very excited for the journey and I can't wait to, to get out there and make a big difference. And I'll have the link in the show notes for donations and, and all other relevant bits of info for that event. And I, I hope we can um, have another chat after the event, Shawnee, and, and recap all the, the amazing highlights and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Of course, I'd love to. Now, Sean, you know, 2020 has been such a, a crazy whirlwind experience. I'm interested to see what's the main le- lesson that you've learned from this year. That's a great question. I think probably patience. Um, it's it's something that I've struggled with for a number of years, especially since I lost my teammate. Because, as I said, it's it's something that really made just woke me up and made me realise that no no one is promised tomorrow, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how old you are. And so, you know, I'm always just on the go, trying to do as many things as I can, see as many people that I love in each day, and. And, uh, but I also understood that, you know, that was, that was exhausting. Like I'm wearing myself out and I also at times need to sit down be patient and, and reflect on some of the journey up to this point. I think, you know, that's one thing that Goggins always talks about as well is like, you know, stuff reflecting, let's just keep going, try and achieve more and more and more. Well, I disagree with that. Like you have to uh, obviously try and grow each day. And I'm a big believer in that, but I think, you know, one thing that this year has taught me is also just, I think once, once uh, it's taken away from you, as I'm sure many people that are listening to this can relate to that, it's all you think about. So for people that love travel, for example, they're probably going back on their camera roll and look back at all their photos of travel that they've, that they were lucky enough to experience. Well, probably the biggest thing that I've done is look back on the, the 50 marathons in 50 days and some of my other running events for charity where people have come together and I've developed these amazing relationships with other people so the the biggest thing it's taught me is patience and it's something that I'm working on every day I think it's that balance between yes doing what you love today because we're not promised tomorrow but also understanding that you know we can't always achieve things straight away like for me this run around Australia is now 2022 and and so being patient understanding the build-up it's going to take some time but enjoy the journey think of it as an opportunity to get stronger and get ready for it mentally Beautifully said, Sean, and I think a lot of people will take lessons out of that. This year has posed so many different challenges for different people in different ways, and it potentially could be the hardest year that people face in their whole lifetime. So adapting that mindset and really focusing on the positives out of this situation, and I know it can be difficult, but yeah, for me, it's just that that patience as well as appreciating human connection again. I think we lived such manic lifestyles prior to this where, you know, we never had time for anything. And, and, you know, the people closest to us, we almost potentially didn't even really know what's happening in their life because we've got so much going on. So now this time of reflection has been amazing to be able to really connect with other people. And, and I think we're going to take human connection to a whole nother level once this is done. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's it's been transformational for so many people, and you know, even even little things like this for me is just you know watching movies with family and and um, playing PlayStation from time to time with with my some of my best mates. Like I would never have time for that. Would never do that. And and um, I think it's really just opened up. You know what a prior what your priorities are. And for me, families 
at the forefront of everything I do. I think that's what fills up my cup. And, and when I'm spending that quality time with my family, that's when I can be my best self to then go out and do these adventures with my running and to help other people. So uh, if I'm not spending that quality time with them, then I can't be, you know, in that state of mind, be that happy person that I want to be that can then help others. As, as we know, we can't help others if we aren't helping ourselves. Yeah, definitely, Shawnee. Well said again, mate. I'm um, I'm really captivated by your journey, and I can't wait to follow what comes next. I know the the community will be watching you very closely as well. For people that have resonated with anything that you've said today, where can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Sean Bell underscore underscore. So S E A N. B-E-L-L. I think it'll just come up if you saw it, if you search Sean Bell. Um, Facebook as well. And then we also have a Run for Wishes Instagram and Facebook page as well, Run for Wishes. Love it, mate. I'll have those in the show notes. I'm very authentic with the uh, double underscore. I like it. <laughs> I think Sean Bell was taken. Um, <laughs> I, messaged, I messaged the guy. He hasn't been active for like five years. <laughs> Tried to get his handle, but no reply because he hasn't been active. So, yeah. <laughs> If not, what can you do? <laughs> That's hilarious. It's a really common day, mate. I love it. Shawnee, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insight. Like I said earlier, I can't wait to follow your journey and and look forward to seeing what impact you can have on other people in their lives. So thank you again, mate. No, thanks so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to catching up again um, post the Run Around Australia. Wow, what an inspiration that was, Sean. It was an absolute treat having you on the podcast this week, my friend. I know we recorded this podcast way back in 2020 during the midst of the COVID lockdowns, but your main message and the impact that you're having on the wider community still stands. So thank you so much. Guys, if you're loving the content that is coming out of euphoria hq don't forget to head over to itunes and leave a rating and review for the podcast well that's all i have for you this week friends i look forward to hearing your feedback on the running program and i can't wait to see you next time on the podcast have a great week